All right, before we get started today, we wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon. Uh, we have Andy Herbrand, Eric Sari, and Lauren L. Remember, they're the ones kind of supporting. Uh, keeping the the beer fridge stocked uh, so that way we can uh, maintain our energy through all of this and uh, you too could uh, become a patreon supporter Uh, head over to wisconsindrunkenhistory.com to find out more hey welcome to the wisconsin drunken history podcast we are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Alrighty then, Uh, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. Uh, Today's episode is another part of the state's rich history with the circus. Uh, We are talking about the very first circus to come to our state, the Maybe Brothers. Or Matt, is it Mabby? Maybe it's, it's Maybe Brothers, actually. Yep. The Maybe right. Brothers Circus, and uh, we have great Wisconsin music in this episode uh, from Nickel and Rose. We have another beer review. Woo. We have another installment of How Many Locos You Ant, as well as a special interview with Lining Kugels. Oh my gosh! Uh, more importantly, Katie Lining Kugel. Holy cow! Uh, very, very excited for that. Uh, as always, we hate beating a dead horse, but if if you if you have time, please go on, rate, like, review, subscribe, do all those things on uh, all of the different streaming platforms, and uh, we're going to go ahead and tell you right now, the, the key ones, subscribe on uh, uh, YouTube, and if you could review us on uh, Apple Podcast, Huge. those two things are going to help potentially make this thing just explode. Uh, and we promise, even when we become super, super famous and really good at stuff, uh, we will uh, keep a level head and we'll keep the show uh, exactly how it is. Exactly. So, uh, hey, head over to WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com where you can find all of our social media, all of our uh, apparel and swag uh, for through the T public, and you can even check out Patreon uh, to see exactly how you can uh, do it a little bit additional work to help uh, keep us kind of uh, employed here uh, in this job that doesn't pay. Yeah, <laughs> we still love it though, right? I mean, I, it's beer and it's, it's just fun. It's just honestly. about the fun. It's fun. So, uh, without any further ado, we will jump into the main segment, which again is about the Maybe Brothers Circus. So we've already covered probably the most famous circus, the Ringling Brothers, right? And I've yet to do an episode on the Barnum and the WC Coop episodes, which we are going to do, you know. And however, one of the first original circuses to pop up in the Delvin area was a lesser known and slightly obscure and truly very first circus to come to Wisconsin. We, of course, are talking about the Maybe Brothers Circus. So like many of the circuses that were first started were actually located in the southern portion of New York State. 
The Maybe brothers were the first, were in the same boat as brothers Jeremiah and Edmund Maybe, who grew up on a small farm in the area and would start a circus. And in 1840, they did just that. Like many circuses, they started off very small. But eventually, in 1847, they had a total of 27 wagons, 125 horses, and 8 elephants. Their biggest elephant being named Romeo, and was nearly 20 foot tall and weighed a total of 10,500 pounds. And just a side note and a little story on Romeo. This is a statue you're going to see in uh, downtown Delvin, yeah. right? Yeah, right outside of... Uh, the, there's a, a hair salon there that uh, I might know the owner of. Awesome. And he <laughs> he became known as the Killer Elephant, actually. And in total, he killed five handlers. And over 15 years, he crushed one, stomped one out, and impaled three on his tusks. It doesn't sound that bad. Right. And I ended up punch him out. He ended up actually evading and escaping the circus and uh, ran rampant around Delavan, causing devastation throughout the area. As well as comp- nearly completely destroying a theater in the area. And his oh monument, like we said before, actually is right downtown with a clown underneath it, right? He's Why? like up on his hind legs. Yeah. Why would they do that? He's, He's going to smash that clown. He's going to smash that clown's freaking nose off. <laughs> Fuck that thing. <laughs> ear, ear. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck you. The circus would regularly tour the Midwest <laughs> and would return to New York State in the winters. And in 1847, this would quickly change when the brothers were en route from Milwaukee to Janesville. The brothers would stop to hunt prairie chickens and fell in love with an area due to its lush prairie land and abundance of food. And as they stated before, it's lush. It would they, as they stated, it was lush in its primitive state. The location specifically we were talking about is a Lake Lawn Resort area, this in the surrounding area, which mm. we know really well. We we're pretty much raised there. Yeah. They also realized it would be a perfect spot for them to for the animals to thrive during the winters with all of the long grasses in the area. And just for reference, an, a normal elephant consumes about 200 pounds of hay and 50 gallons of water every single day. Just, Holy shit. That's a lot, right? 50 gallons of water? Is that insane? I found that out. I actually researched some of the circus history, how much elephants eat. God. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot. And after the two brothers decided this would be a great place for them to set up shop, it was a magnet for all of the other circuses. And they realized this was a great spot, including, as mentioned before, the W.C. Coop which would eventually become the P.T. Barnum Circus, who we will talk about in a future episode. And four circuses in 1858 in total would move to the Delavan area, and this would become the stopping point and base of operation for many of the circuses. There were some similar, smaller spin-off shows also that would arrive in the area, but not of large significance. And over the 50-year span of this area, 26 circuses would arrive in Delavan City. This didn't always sit well with the locals, and throughout all the years, because of the snake oil salesman, you know, your generic miracle cure selling, right. car salesman, grease Rub this ball, on your you know, elbow, and it's, it'll, it, you, it'll make you grow 10 feet. Yeah. And in Delvin, at one point, the city was not only the circus capital of the nation, but it was also considered the wickedest city in Wisconsin, which is crazy. What the fuck does that mean? I know. With all the prostitution going on at the time, it's pretty nuts, right? I mean, this is just... This guess, town is wicked awesome. It's wicked sick, dude. <laughs> yeah. And the Maybe Brothers were actually genuine, though, however, and would set up a set out to change the hearts of the local people as they ran a genuine, honest show throughout the span of the history of this show, which is a lesser-known show, right? The Maybe Brothers. You don't right. hear Maybe Brothers Circus, right? Nope. And they even put money back into the local economy, into the Delavan area. They bought homes in the area and established a grist mill for the local people to use, eventually settling on a total of 1,000 acres and, like stated before, included the now site of Lake Lawn Lodge. 
Edmund may have even become a member of the Delvin Congregational Church and served as vigil village president and contributed to the public works around the Delvin area. He ensured the completion of a 60-mile plank road from Racine to Janesville, which helped allow the early people of the area to, to make their way from Delvin much easier and travel between these two locations, which were huge hubs at the time. Yeah. And today you can actually see some of the remnants of the town square in downtown Delavan, including the statue of the infamous Romeo, which as we talked about before, and a massive giraffe. And today is the circus capital of the world. And though, even though they don't technically have the Clown Circus Museum anymore, it's still a lot of people you can go and talk to in the town that remember its history. And uh, I was lucky enough as a kid to actually be able to go and see this small museum. It was right by the old graveyard there. They had a small building we could go in. It was a clown circus museum. Perfect place to take a kid. It was super cool as a kid. The clown museum next to the graveyard. I know I could have lied. I did not like clowns as a kid. I don't know about you. Clowns are fucked. Clowns are fucking cool. They're creepy, dude. I didn't like them as a kid, but at the same time, it was cool to see all the circus history as a kid. I love history. Even as a young young kid, I loved it. I don't like when I can't tell somebody's expressions yeah exactly i think that's the one thing that that gets me about most horror movies or even just like clowns in general i don't have a crushing fear of clowns however i don't enjoy them because again i can't tell what they're fucking doing you know they've got a big smile painted on their face but are they really smiling Right, and as a young young adult in the '90s, right, I was a young kid in the early '90s, right. We both were. We were both little little yeah. tykes in the early '90s, and uh, it was one movie, It, that Stephen scared King. the shit out of me. The Pennywise, Tim Curry, yeah. scared the shit out of me. So I hated clowns, right? Yeah. My uncle teased me all the time. My uncle John, Dick, he he Dick. freaking scared the <laughs> shit of clowns. And uh, it was the It movie that kind of set it off, you know, in that time yeah. period. Could you imagine being a clown in the early 90s? Your career's fucked. Oh. <laughs> Your career yeah. sucks at this point because yeah. freaking Pennywise. Tim, Tim Curry and, and Stephen King totally ruined your your clown hey, career. Georgie. Fuck, my career's ruined. Cock. Sucker. Just screaming at the top of your lungs and that movie definitely came out. Don't, like, you definitely don't get out, give out uh, red balloons anymore. And, you know, the Maybe Brothers may be a lesser-known circus, but really they have such a large history in the state, and it's the reason why many of these other big circuses came here in the first place, right? Right. And they, they sort were... of blazed the trail here. Exactly. And so we wanted to cover them, give you the history of Delaware, Wisconsin, how it actually became the circus capital, based on its freaking great prairies for the for the elephants and all the water in the surrounding area, Lake Lawn. There's probably elephants' trunks in that lake many a time, so, sucking down 50 gallons a day. It's just insane. Yeah, that's uh, that's gnarly. Um, I do I do enjoy the 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 circus uh, history that that sort of uh, revolves around the area that we grew up in. Uh, the the circus would mul- multiple times a year come to the fairgrounds. Oh and, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you had attended. I had attended. Uh, it's definitely a unique feature, uh, and, and none of the circuses really travel anymore. I don't even know if any of them still exist. I don't know. I mean, the times uh, are a change, and as Bob Dylan once said, you yeah, know, it's like things are different now. People realize that animal abuse isn't cool. Right. Elephants don't need to be locked up in a and small you cage. Can't, you, you can't know? call people freaks anymore, so the freak show part of the right, circus right. doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a... Uh, uh, a cultural thing that that has changed over the course of time uh, and you know we're seeing that happen with uh, even things like uh like the uh the, the big killer whale in uh oh, in yeah, Dis- in SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. and 
it just, you know, it, it, I don't think a lot of these things are going to exist within the next, you know, few years if they even still do now. Do you so. remember the, did you see the Blackfish movie? That was, mm-hmm. was freaking depressing, man. Like, yeah. honestly, like you feel bad for those animals. And like, you know what? It is what it is. I, I appreciate the, the circus, what they did for the state, what they did. And that's right. why we want to cover the history. You know, the circus may go away. Honestly, right. but we want to still have that history here in the state of Wisconsin, which there is we'll a lot still of talk about it, you know, exactly fondly, of course. And that's going to conclude the main segment. And now on to our music segment. All right. So our music segment today uh, is the band Nickel and Rose. They're super good. Yeah, honestly, like it's the two duo, Carl Nichols and Joanna Rose, and they're based yeah. in the Milwaukee area. And uh, obviously they have like that folk Americana you know, maybe that DIY little little roots in the gospel area too. You know, yeah. they're just really good. I had to reach out to them. I love them. Yeah, like their music is phenomenal. Another one I saw on the PBS Music Hour. Just such a great band. Yeah, and they, and and uh, again, it's it's kind of neat to to hear a modern take on uh, kind of an older style of music. Uh, and they're and they're keeping that uh, you know around. They're reviving. Maybe even, you know, I know necessarily it hasn't gone away, but they're sort of reviving it and making it really cool again. And this is this is a, a very popular style of music right now. It's very soulful, too, and it's cool. Yeah. It's right in Milwaukee, right in the backyard here, uh, coming from uh, Muskego, Haley, Hater guy. And, uh, yeah, so today we have Nickel and Rose, Hard Day's Work. Check this sucker out. with a bottle of whiskey Today we know who we are Drive with me, my Anna To a beach outside of town I quit my job and we'll live here forever Or at least we'll live here for now
Well, well, well. That was Nickel and Rose. Uh, so good. I love Nickel and Rose. Folk Americana. Yeah. Great music. Uh, oh my god. It 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 has so many great influences that you can hear throughout the entire track, and it is just a very refreshing style of music. I feel better, uh, cleaner, so c- warmer. Can I, can I be honest? They, t- they didn't give me a track to actually use specifically, so it took me about two hours to find the right song to use on this because, podcast. Isn't that crazy? Because everything is just so good. You look through the catalog, and every one that you play, you're like, oh, this is it. And then you're like, but I mean, let me check out this other one. Oh, shit, this one's it. Th- yeah. This took me about two hours to find this song because I love everything that they produce. Like I said, the PBS Music Hour, just good people all around. Like it's PBR good, Music good, Hour? The PBS Music Hour, sorry. PBR. No, I said PBR. Oh, you did. Oh, the PBR Music Hour. Okay. And, but yeah, again, they're Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> Nickel, there you go. Nickel and Rose. Amazing. Yeah. Check them out. Bandcamp. Whatever. You know, the usual. We talk about it every time. The Facebooks. Yeah. Hit up, yeah, hit up social their social medias, media. Yeah. Whatever. So, so and let, let this be reviewed, Rip Eric. And this <laughs> yeah. is a greasy one kind of. But yeah, we're, we're doing it anyways. We're sorry. But, you know, it has to be done. Today we are reviewing a very special beer uh, from a brewery. Uh, that is uh, very historical. Let's say. Yeah, we and, talked about uh, them a little bit on episode forty-five of Frederick Miller. Yeah. So and uh, so the we are choosing to crack open a, a couple of Miller High Life's. Yeah. Um, and what what can I say about Miller High Life? I've drank hundreds of these. Right? What can we say that hasn't already been said about Miller High Life? So um, it, it, you know it's coming in at four percent per ABV, right? It's not very yeah. high on this the ABVs. You can drink a ton of these. Guess what the IBUs are? Just take a guess. Yeah, it's I already low know. on the IBU scales. It's seven IBUs, so there's yeah. like not a lot of bittering units on this sucker. Yeah, I've um, had soda that is higher in bitter units. And what what else can I say? Right, it started in New Year's Eve, 1903. The yeah. beer did. You're gonna see the lady on the moon, the icon for Miller, which is mis- mysterious. Nobody knows where or why that happened. Uh, first, first uh, uh, whole, the first sighting of her on uh, on the beer. Or four Miller is nineteen oh seven, and uh, I mean there there's literally no history as to why or, or where it, it kind of started. She's just a woman on the moon, dude. She's just a woman ha- hanging out on a crescent moon. So we're in this sucking this thing out of a bottle with the labels yeah. out, baby. Today, um, each bottle has about one hundred forty one calories, so it's not too bad. This one, obviously, you're getting malt up front corn malt the, up yeah, front malted barley highly carbonated it's a champagne of beer so you're getting that carbonation right up front pours a golden brown clear see-through i've drank hundreds of these i don't know what else i need to say on this literally beer. thousands of high lifes i've sucked out so many high lifes in and out of my body do you remember the high life delivery guy in the old commercials in the 90s uh yeah yeah uh, he um he passed away. He did. That's what was super sad about yeah. him. I mean, he was like he was a huge staple was a in the early nineties. Yeah, he was yeah. awesome. And you know, you're getting some Galena hop. You're not getting a lot of hop flavor, but if you haven't heard of Galena, it's actually from the Pacific Northwest. It's kind of you're barely getting a hop. It's more the maltiness up front, like yeah. any of these lagers that you're gonna eat these domestics. So Yeah, and the uh the Miller Brewing Company has their own uh specific yeast that they use. Um, which is is uh, uh, kind of specific to their whole thing. Which I mean, yeast is is a very special thing. It's uh, it adds a lot of flavor to a lot of beers, you know, and and it does all the the hard work, you know. And the Miller Tour, if you haven't been on it, it's one of my favorite tours. Actually, you know, 
obviously I like Lakefront. I love craft breweries more than I love domestics. But the tour is really cool. You start off in like the gift shop area and you're going to watch like a, a movie and you learn a little bit about Miller, how it all got started. You learn about Frederick Miller, which we talked about in episode 45. Yeah. You're going to go down the street. You're going to get to go into the old um, Plank Road Brewery downstairs in the barrel rooms. Right, right. Underground. You get to go to the big facility where there's just like unbelievable amounts of beer. Mounts, mountains. Mount, mountains of, of brewskis yeah. just hanging out right in front of you. You're going to see the old tanks. It's, it's really cool because it's on that old street. Obviously, we haven't had best of luck there, but that's because of like what happened recently. Because we we're gonna film some uh, promotional videos right, there, right? Yeah, they had so we even had the best luck. An but, employee that did not exactly uh, uh, feel aligned with being fired and stuff. So, but we literally we were gonna be there for five seconds. Honestly, yeah. if, if you've seen some of our promos and stuff we filmed, it's not very long. We just couldn't get our cameras up in time. He's like, "Get out of here! Hey, we don't want you here anymore." And so we left, and uh, but we really regret it because there was some really cool... You could see the lady in the moon in the background. It was such a cool shot. I'm so bummed it didn't work out. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, it, I mean, this it's still beer, Miller, right? It's Milwaukee made. This beer is so so damn iconic. It, uh, it Here's the thing. It's not the most special beer. It doesn't not, even no. really taste that great. But it's so iconic, and uh, it's so easy to drink that... You know, I find myself at bars sometimes just, uh, hey, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit uh, shocked at how many options there are. And so I just kind of get overwhelmed. And so my mind goes directly to kind of what I know and what I feel comfortable with. And that's a Miller High Life. And, and yeah, yeah. again, it, it's not going to impress you whatsoever. It's not going to be. Uh, a beer that you're like, uh, oh wow, this is just fantastic. No, it's just a it's a, it's a crisp, classic staple straightforward beer. Pilsner Lager. It's yeah. straightforward, easy drinker. You know, you're gonna go to freaking Country Thunder. It's probably all over right now, right? Yeah. These things are getting distributed among everyone's huge country fans. Drink a lot of High Life. Oh yeah, not to be stereotypical, but it seems like it's a huge it, country thing. It, yeah, I love High Life. I mean, I love High Life too. I love Bush Light. I love shit beer. I love good beer. I love craft beer. I love anything beer. I've only had a few skunky shit bag beers in my life, to be honest. Yeah, with you, so. yeah. I, not a fan of Two Hearted. No, really. Way too. The Two Hearted Ale. Way too piney. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't mind it. It's not my favorite, but it's not that bad. But yeah. again, Miller High Life, you can find it anywhere. Right. All right. We don't even have to go into that. You can find no. it at any store, any shitbag bar. I'm assuming most bar. of you have had them as well. So. Yeah, exactly. But again, Miller High Life, check it out. Suck a couple down. Grab a seat, gather around, join us for a chat. How many locos you have? All right, folks, you know what that means. How many locos you have, baby? Yeah, and this one's uh, quite interesting, uh, as we mostly say. Uh, this one is Milwaukee, and the authorities say a 37-year-old Milwaukee woman arrested on suspicion of her third DUI had an 8-year-old boy on her lap steering the car. Got to grab a grade school to drive you home, huh? Not wow. Judging, not judging. Uh, a Milwaukee County Sheriff's deputy saw the car entering an on-ramp on Thursday afternoon with a child seated <laughs> on the driver's lap, which we all know you cannot do. Uh, the deputy stopped the car and saw that the boy was crying. He told the deputy that he did not want to go to jail. 
Wow. That's um, pretty sad. That's actually. emotionally I, I'm scarring. Kinda, I'm kind of going to drink this one yeah. tonight. All right. uh, the sheriff's office says the driver refused to cooperate with the deputy until the deputy's uh, supervisor arrived. Authorities say the woman was visibly impaired and failed field sobriety tests. Jesus. The woman was arrested and jailed with charges pending. Uh, the child was turned over to Child Protective Services. So this one's kind of depressing, man. Like, this is messed up. Eight-year-old boy. It's not woman. our finest, you know? Yeah, no, this one's kind of just depressing. Like, I just kind of want to drink myself to sleep but hey, tonight. we're not the ones who did it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what do we got? A, th- a late 30s woman with an eight-year-old child driving the steering wheel, right? Yeah. She's just hitting the gas and running the brakes here, right? Yep. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, they they just mentioned that she failed some field sobriety tests, which, you know, that's about the only thing we have going for us other than her judgment. CPS getting um, involved. That's just the sad end of the story yeah. here. But I mean, in my opinion, it's one of those things where we have to think, well, the judgment wasn't there to uh, choose, you know, her, her eight year old uh, son to drive the car with his hands and steer it because let's just be honest at eight years old there's no way in hell you even know how to maneuver a vehicle he's trying like that right of course but you know that but the the judgment is the one key factor i think in this one for me that leads me to believe uh, um or, or leads me to a certain number you know I, I mean, I, I kind of got a number. I mean, obviously, she's just running the gas pedal. Um, she's in her late 30s. She has a few other DUI offenses, so she's not, like, new to the drinking game. Yeah. I mean, I hate to always go to this level, but I think I have my level. I don't know about you. I have it. I have a number, I and I feel very confident in, in sharing said number. Okay, what do you think? And then three. Okay, one, two, three. Six. 14. I oh. was thinking higher on this. I, I think she's fucked up. I don't think she can drive. I don't think she's like, I think she's physically impaired. She's not quite the blackout because she's obviously operating, letting her kid drive like, oh, hey, we, this is fun. Drive me home, you know? Right, right. So, but I don't think she's quite the blackout level, but she does have some experience with the with the three, the, tr- the trace. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I mean, the, the tolerance probably is there. Uh, the, the judgment was not, uh, she refused to cooperate, but then eventually failed field sobriety tests. So I, I mean, I it was, it was being, tough. It was tough. I mean, I, I'm going to be I honest see with it you. being higher. Um, so, so what do you think? You want to meet in the middle, maybe go like a 10, 11. I'd feel comfortable at like 10 or 11 because will you, will you settle on a 10 on this. Yeah. One? Let's settle yeah. on a 10. I, I think really she's just drunk. She's having a good time. Oh, come sit on my lap, drive for me. I'm going to candle the gas. Let's have fun. Right. You know, but she's like not thinking straight that she can get in trouble for this and she's drunk with her kid in the car. Right. And CPS and felony charges got involved. I just don't she understand. She didn't want to get involved. Exactly. And and I think that that's the key part there is the judgment to uh, even think that she could potentially that was the only reason i went high. save herself that was the know? only that was the only reason i went a little higher but i think 10 is a good number i think a 10 loco 10 it is do it all right everyone i'm here with katie lining kugel today how are you doing on this beautiful sunday morning hi eric i'm very very good excited that it's sunny and um it's 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 shandy season really it really is. I enjoyed a, a, a shandy last night. I was out at the uh, Memorial Union Terrace in Madison seeing a band, and uh, I always enjoy a, a good summer shandy on those nice nights. It is the perfect beer for summer. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> As it they truly say. is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, 
well, I think most of the listeners here know and have heard of uh, the Line and Kugel Brewing Company. But uh, if you would, I mean, can you just give us a brief history of of the the uh, the Line and Kugel Brewing Company itself? Yeah, it's it's tough to do a brief history. We are a 154 <laughs> year old brewery um, based out of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. But I'm gonna do my best. Yeah. Um, I've got six generations to get through, but luckily I don't know much about the third generation, so we get to skip over that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, my great-great-great-grandfather, Jacob Leinenkugel, came over from Meckenheim, Germany back in um, 1845, and by um, in, in the 1850s, 1860s, his three brothers established breweries across Wisconsin. So baraboo um when one was in eau claire and he happened to work at the one in eau claire um it was called eagle brewing uh with one of his brothers and then eventually he decided i want to do my own brewery um so he linked up with his friend john miller not related to miller brewing company right um and they started the chippewa falls spring brewing company um in 1867 in chippewa falls wisconsin and uh they're their business partnership would later split up, although they remained the best of friends. They're literally buried next to each other today. <laughs> I would say that's um, best friends. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, so by around like 1890, it became the Jacob Line and Kugel Brewing Company. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, still standing in the same place it was today. Uh, we've, you know, of course, done some additions to it. Um, we built the Liney Lodge uh, in 2003. That's like the big building that's still there today. That is our hospitality center and all of that. And I, of course, just jumped ahead all the way to current day. But um, <laughs> if I reverse a little bit, uh, there was always sort of three families involved in the Line of Cuckoo Brewing Company. And, um, you know, they were the three owners of the company until um, I believe it was 1988 um my grandpa got a letter in the mail from miller brewing company it was probably like the number seven brewery in the world at the time um or in the u.s rather and uh he got a letter and he called my dad who had just exited the marine corps um and just started working for the company and he said, Dick, what do you think? Um, what do you think about this? My dad said, well, you know, they're a reputable company, Miller Miller Brewing Company out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, I, I don't know. I think you should listen to them. What do you think they want, Dad? And my grandpa said, I think they want us to buy them. And that was, of course, not the case. Um, <laughs> they wanted to buy us. <laughs> so um, that was finalized in 1988, 1989, um, same year I joined the world. And um, that's how we became acquired by Miller Miller Brewing Company. Uh, today, they are now, we are now owned by Molson Coors, same sort of conglomerate yeah. business. And um, it's kind of where we are today. I, I realize I just skipped a whole bunch of generations, but um, if I could just add one piece of history, the women of the Line and Kugel family and of Line and Kugel Brewery, Brewery are really the superstars. So, absolutely. Jacob, yeah. Jacob's wife, Josephine, um, she was in charge very early on. You know, 
no no matter like that you know she had four kids to raise and a husband that was always gone but uh, she actually also cooked and cleaned for the 20 brewery workers every single day um so she was the superstar there and then when we were in prohibition um it was actually Catherine meyer um and susan who pulled the company out of prohibition by refinancing their homes and getting lawyers involved and all of those things so they were the ones that really got us out of prohibition where jacob's brothers did not make it out of that um and then you know my aunt kate who is in the fifth generation she was the very first tour guide for the brewery oh awesome Um, yeah so kind of all along the way there's little little parts of female history that i'm just super proud of absolutely yeah and and uh, I guess every single person, uh, you know, in the family has had some sort of, you know, really important tie with the company in order to kind of get it to where it is today, which is, you know, uh, I mean, massive, uh, you know, there's radio ads and television spots and, and those are all kind of the, the, uh, the pinnacle, I guess you would say, as well as just seeing, you know, a line and Google beer in everyone's hands, whether they're camping or boating or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, something to be really, really proud of. So, yeah, and, you know, you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, that you, you joined the world in, you know, 88, 89, uh, mm-hmm. kind of at the, at, uh, a really huge moment for Line and Kugel. But yeah. how, when did you sort of get involved in the business of, uh, of the brewing? So <laughs> I have a pretty, I call it uh, non-traditional, um, background and, I think it's actually something that was kind of instilled in me very early on, and that was to do something else. Uh, And my dad would tell you this, too. His dad always told him the same thing is like, do something else. Know that you can be successful in a different field before you join the family brewery. That's always going to be here. Um, So, you know, my dad went into the Marine Corps and he was a a, um, he did business with Kemper Sports. Um, They let him run a golf outing in Hawaii so of course like I would do that too absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um whereas I uh after my undergrad um I got my undergrad in Minnesota sorry Wisconsinites (laughs) and um immediately moved on to Dallas Texas I was a teacher for two years with Teach for America um and I taught first grade and then you know I always thought I was just gonna come back up and join the family business but something uh, inspired me to stay. So I was actually a principal um, of an elementary school in Dallas, Texas for about um, five years after teaching. And um, in, during which time I got my first master's in education and then I got my MBA at UT Austin. Um, around that time, I don't know, they say timing is right and timing was absolutely right for me in that moment to just um, you know, after finishing my MBA, it was time to join the company. So I uh, was a marketing intern with Miller Coors. It was Miller Coors at the time, um, where I worked on Miller 64. That was my first project. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. And then um, shortly after that, joined the Lining Kugel's brand team. Um, and I've been in my role now only three years. So uh I'm pretty new to the company still, definitely learning a whole new language, and that's the beer language. Um, <laughs> but it's been a whirlwind, and it's been so much fun. Yeah. So absolutely no complaints. That's awesome. You, I mean, you literally had like an entire life and, and right. career before, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you're young. So like, you know, it's, yeah. it's crazy to sort of, you know, flip gears and stuff. But um, kind of being that brand ambassador 
uh, for the business is really key because you're sort of the the face that uh, yeah. you know at, at events and things people recognize you uh, and all the hard work that you do to sort of you know continue to push and uh, and kind of show everybody what's new and what's exciting and um, yeah and I I gotta say I, I I'm always a little surprised how people recognize you know either my dad or me or whatever I was at a Milwaukee Brew Fest yesterday. And somebody walked up to the table and said, hey, are you one of the daughters? And I was like, <laughs> I don't like, how do you even know that? Right. But, I mean, I look like a I look like a beer rep right now. <laughs> right. I'm just pouring beers. So, yeah, it's always a little surprising. But, yeah, it's a fun kind of role to play. Yeah, I bet. I bet it's and it's got to be kind of uh, uh, weird to have somebody walk up and, and, and maybe even just know your name. And you've never yeah. met this person before. But right. uh that hey, has happened. I mean, <laughs> it comes with the territory, right? Yeah, it's sure, a, exactly. It's a big family name, so yeah. Um, and and kind of speaking to to that, I mean, uh, that's cool in itself. But do you have any other like really fond memories uh, of growing up and and being part of that that beer family? Uh, yes, um, I mean, I have a million memories. So many of them, uh, you know, when you're young, they don't necessarily revolve around beer; they revolve around you know, the family yeah. um, that you're surrounded by. But I mean, I, I have so many memories of Christmases at my um, grandpa, Bill uh, and Mary Lou lining Kugel. Um, we would have Christmases there. They would play blackjack and everybody had a line. Liney's original. Um, my grandpa actually just like he passed away when I was in college, but I just have so many funny memories of, you know, the silly person he was, he was always, sure. you know, very serious with my dad and uncles, but with us grandkids that he just was so giggly and funny and learning more about his life now that I'm older has been really, uh, like hysterical. I guess he loved martinis. Um, so anytime he would go to a restaurant, he would order a martini, but then he'd make sure to also order a line in Kugels so that he could at least have it sitting at the table with him. Right. <laughs> um, if people asked what he was drinking. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And then, you know, one of my earliest memories of knowing that I was part of a beer family was just, I mean, we knew so early on in our lives that Miller was good and Budweiser was bad. <laughs> and, um, you know, anytime we went to a restaurant, we would beg my dad for Sprucker root beer. It's all we wanted because yeah. it came in the bottles. You know, yep. it was so cool. Um, and it was a very rare occasion when he finally gave in and let us have a Sprucker root beer because um, that was, you know, a, a competition too. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are some of my, my most, you know, fond early memories. I've got a million others fishing, boating, all the things you do up North Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And honestly, uh, you know, the, just kind of hearing, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm really similar in age. Uh, I was born in 88 and, mm -hmm. uh, the same thing. My, my grandparents owned a bar for, you know, a few years and, uh, the root beer in the bottle was literally like <laughs> was the gold. treat. It was, it was it gold. Was. Yeah. And, uh, like, I must've been really good today if I get to. Have yeah. That. Yeah. Especially yeah, if they didn't like put up a adult. fight. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It was definitely a part of, uh, of the, the kind of the childhood, uh, in, in Wisconsin, uh, you know, maybe totally. elsewhere, but, uh, yeah, it definitely is reminiscent of, of all the fun and, and, and kind of just the innocence of being a kid. So totally. Um, 
Awesome. Well, hey, you know, is there any sort of events or anything that you'd like to sort of uh, pitch or plug? Um, anything coming up that we should know about? Yeah, I'm not sure when this is airing, but um, I'm actually going to be doing the Quick Trip Takeover. Okay. <laughs> uh, their social media takeover on August 17th. Um, the week after that, if anybody is up in the Chippewa, Eau Claire area, we are having a launch party for our new collaboration lager. Um, it's our collaboration beer with Hofbrau in Munich. And uh, we'll do like a keg tapping and then a big old party after that. And so that's going to be the following week. I think it's August 25th. Awesome. Um, yeah. So really looking forward to that. Uh, we've got just some like so much exciting things happening, of course, at the Liney Lodge all the time. You can go online or on social media and um, stay with that. But also we've got new beers coming out um, that I am so, so, so excited about. I mentioned Collaboration Lager for the winter. I don't even know if this is public knowledge yet, but we've got a Chocolate Dunkel coming out. It is so good like i'm not a big fan of dark beers but my god this is like such yeah. a perfect winter beer um awesome. and then you know more secrets that i absolutely can't share yet because they're gonna come out in 2022 <laughs> but we've got some really exciting beers for lining kugels to sort of get into and those are coming out in uh, february of 2022 so stay tuned is what awesome. i would say yeah stay tuned is right and yes. uh yeah like like you said social media stay on top of that stuff because i'm sure that's where things are going to get posted first and you guys are going to be pushing that out as, as much as you can yep and i always uh try to post as much as i can get away with on my own personal channel so awesome. at katie line and kugel Perfect. <laughs> if you want some secrets <laughs> absolutely that's awesome well again I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, on this beautiful sunday and uh, i hope you have a great rest of your day Thanks so much, Eric. I hope you do as well. All right. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening, and remember as always, watch, watch out for deer, deer on your way home. home.